Welcome to the Lopes Insider Podcast, presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Giving you an exclusive look into Grand Canyon University Athletics with news, special guests, memorable flashbacks, and more. It's the Lopes Insider Podcast. On this episode, we've got a pair of new assistant coaches joining the podcast. Ed Schilling joined Bryce Drew's men's basketball staff and will draw on his past experiences with the likes of UCLA and Indiana to help the Lopes program. And GCU's newest coach, baseball pitching coach John Wente, talks about his fit on Coach Andy Stankowitz's staff. All this and more on episode 12 of the Lopes Insider Podcast. Alongside Paul Coro, I'm Barry Butel. As we roll into episode number 12 of the Lopes Insider Podcast, good to be with you, Paul. As with you, Barry, nice to have some athletics going on as well. We definitely had some athletic activity taking place on campus this week. Let's fill you in on some news and notes. You're one of the lucky few that got to witness men's and women's basketball practices from a distance, of course. What did you see starting off with uh, Coach Drew's team? Yeah, it was just great to hear basketballs on hardwood. That sound yeah. had not been on my ears for so long and see some familiar faces return and some familiar faces for the first time in person. We got to know these guys a little bit through Zoom interviews, but now we can see how they mesh to have some fun on the personality side. And they're easing very carefully into the basketball side, not only out of caution for COVID, but just health too. None of these mm-hmm. guys really have played since March. No doubt about it. Coach Miller's squad, they waited just a few more days to clear COVID protocols, but they got underway on Thursday. They jumped right into it on the defensive end, too. That pressure D is the calling card for a Molly Miller team, as well as tempo because of the turnovers her teams create. So they got uh, right away at it with some fast break drills. They were taken aback a little bit by how much they were going, and especially when they saw their head coach running <laughs> up and down alongside them and pressuring the ball. Uh, but the big takeaway on both sides of it, that good times were being had. No doubt about it. I'm sure everybody's excited to be back on the hardwood. That's a wrap on news and notes, but you can always keep up with the latest Lopes news on GCULopes.com or on the GCU Lopes app. Trivia time. Coach Tim Nolan and the women's volleyball team made a run to the WAC Tournament Championship game last season, posting one of the nation's best turnarounds. How many more games did the Lopes win in 2019 than in 2018? That team was a joy to watch Mm -hmm. and mature over the last few years. Of course, hoping that turnaround season is only the start of something special for that women's volleyball team, especially with almost every starter and high point scorer back. Mm, That answer coming up at the end of the show. But now let's bring on the guests. Andy Stankiewicz announced John Winty as the Lopes' newest staff member, marking a return to Arizona for the accomplished pitching coach. A successful head coach in the junior college ranks, Winty is coming off a six-year stint at UT Arlington, where he built the Mavericks pitching staff into a force, ranking 18th with a 2.42 team ERA in 2020. Michael Potter caught up with Coach Winty on the Lopes Insider Podcast. Hey, Coach, thanks a bunch for uh, jumping on the Lopes Insider Podcast. So great to talk to you. First off, congrats on the new gig. We're very excited to have you at GCU. Yeah, excited to be here. Can't wait to get going. Can't wait to meet the guys and excited. I I know how great of a university Grand Canyon is and excited to come home and be a part of it. 
well, still a young man, so not that this will be your last stop, but kind of full circle in a way. I mean, growing up in, in Arizona, Arizona's been a huge part of your baseball life. Kind of walk everybody through the progression from uh, playing you know, high school ball at Brophy to back at GCU. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a long journey, and, and baseball's been very good to me and, and uh, my family and, and uh, got an opportunity to play at Brophy for a wonderful coach that uh, truly – taught me what it meant to be not only a baseball player, but a person in Tom Suko and very blessed to play for him. And, you know, it wasn't great. I was a decent player and, and uh, had an opportunity to play at Central and played at Central and kind of became a player. And, you know, you grow up in, uh, you know, baseball in Arizona and, and there's only three places to play and was had an opportunity to play at Arizona State and for Pat Murphy. And, and uh, you know, but then my senior year decided I, I needed to try to do something different and transferred to McNeese and fortunate enough to after my playing career played a little bit of pro ball but after my playing career had an opportunity to coach at Central with uh, Clint Myers and uh, took that opportunity and and uh, you know it just kind of worked for me Clint Clint taught me a ton about coaching baseball and coaching people and and teaching people and and uh, was fortunate to win a national championship there at at Central and um thought it was time to try to do my do my own thing and moved to Hutchinson, Kansas for a couple years and then Odessa and then you know Clint moved to Arizona State and was lucky fortunate enough to to come back to to Central and and take over and and I thought what we did there was a special thing and uh you know got to an age where it was time to try Division One baseball and fortunate to work for a great guy and Darren Thomas at Texas Arlington and uh, yeah, now I get to come home and work for another great guy and, and Andy and, and Wally's been awesome just kind of talking recruiting and talking baseball and it's just Andy's vision um, of the university of the baseball program. It was an easy sell. You could believe in his passion uh, for Grand Canyon and for Grand Canyon baseball and just want to be a part of it. So excited to be coming home. Yeah, the coaching journey is truly a journey. <laughs> a lot, a lot yeah. of stops along the way. Man, you had For some sure. great guys, Tom Suko, Pat Murphy. How important were those coaches early in your career to develop you kind of into the coach you are now? Yeah, I mean, for me, they were, I mean, number one. I mean, I, I, I was unfortunate to, you know, lost my father early on, so I never met my father. And so you always are looking for that fa father figure. And, you know, baseball was, pat, you know, was my passion. And so you find good people that uh, taught you more than just baseball and, in Coach Zuko and Coach Murphy, um, you know, they, they have a huge part of who I've become as a, as a person and as a coach. You know, I don't want to gloss over your playing career. I mean, you, you said, you know, you weren't, weren't that great, but I mean, you, you, you get a job uh, playing professionally, you're pretty good. But to move to the coaching, because that's where you spent the bulk of your career, uh, when did you know you wanted to be a coach and wanted to stay in baseball at, at that position? Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's a great question. Um, teammates of mine have always said, oh, you'd have been a great, you know, you'd be a great coach. And, <laughs> and then you start thinking like, well, what else is there to do? I mean, coaching baseball is not really a job, even though it is a job. It's been, you know, fun to be outside, uh, to coach young men, to see young men, you know, get better at baseball, but also get better and become great fathers and, and great husbands. It's just uh, that that's been a fun journey to see. And, you know, just I guess I never thought what else I would do. So then, you know, to coach baseball as long as I have has been definite pleasure. You know, Coach, I mean, you you had after Brophy, I mean, Central Arizona, which if people don't know, junior college baseball throughout the country is great. But in Arizona, it's fantastic. Um, 
Arizona State, obviously a perennial top, you know, 10 team in the nation under Pat Murphy and then McNeese, a good program. I mean, what were the differences in those levels? Was it just the athleticism of the players? Was it the mindset? What were the differences in those stops? Well, I mean, I think going to Central, um, and, and certainly when you leave Brophy, you know, most of those student athletes or young men are never thinking about junior college because, you know, the right. academics there are, are tremendous. But, you know, I, I just knew that I wanted to try to chase the baseball dream for as long as I could. And so, Central was an eye-opening experience because, you know, that was back in the day where you were allowed to have draft and follows. And so, you know, when I got to Central, there were 21 draft and follows on our team. And so you get woken up real quick of you better get better or you're going to be kicked out of the game. And and so I really tried to work hard on becoming a better athlete, uh, tried to fix my body a little bit. That's kind of what gave me the opportunity to be a Sun Devil. You know, there, obviously, that's that's the next step. Um, you know, everyone says that's minor league baseball, and, and uh, it, was, it was tremendous. I mean, USC was an unbelievable program at the time. And so, you know, I think about, like, Troy Gloss and – and, uh, you know, A.J. Hinch and, mm-hmm. and Chase Utley, all those guys that played back then, it was called the, the six-pack, and, you know, and that was unbelievable baseball. And, and, and to be honest, moving to McNeese, I thought, oh, man, I'm taking a step down. I thought the Southland at the time was a great league. McNeese, I, I was fortunate to play with a couple of big leaguers at McNeese. Baseball, it's, it's – every level has its differences, but it's still about – you know, playing the game the right way and, and being athletic and, and playing your butt off. You know, Coach, every time I talk to Coach Stankiewicz and we interview, we always devolve into why baseball is the greatest sport because we both kind of go, <laughs> go that direction. And to me, that's one of them. You know, it, it's like in, in football and basketball, you pretty much got to go to one of those top fives if you want to go pro. But, man, there are great baseball players everywhere. And if you just keep playing, grinding out, get your ABs, um, you know, it, it, can, it can click and you can go pro. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, you got 50 round, 50th rounders that made it to the big leagues, undrafted guys, you know, guys from small schools, guys from junior college, guys from great programs. It's just, it's a great mix. I mean, that's why I do think it's one of the greatest games out there just because you don't have to be the biggest, you don't have to be the strongest, but uh, you play the game uh, with a certain passion to it. And who knows where that takes you. So as you come in as a, as a pitching coach, focusing on the pitchers, and you got you got a nice nice staff coming back. I mean, I think twelve of the fourteen are right. supposed to come back, so you got some good arms to to, to yep. inherit and work with. Does your philosophy change based on who you have, or do you try to recruit to a philosophy? How do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me right now, it's learning these guys, and I'm trying, and I haven't gotten through all of them yet, but just trying to have you know a Zoom call or a FaceTime call, and just talk pitching and, and listen. I, I think it's important coming into a new situation, especially. And I told them, I said, I know how good you guys are. I know how, you know, what the expectations are. And, and my job is just to continue in that path and not change it up. And, and uh, so I, I want to learn the guys. I want to see the guys. I mean, obviously in the, the times that we're at right now, just being in front of the guys is going to be fun to, you know, it's been a long time since a lot of us coaches have been in front of our players and um, you know I think we just want to for me I just want to meet the guys I want to I want to watch them I want to see them perform you know you can watch on synergy so I've tried to do my homework on every single guy that we have including the incoming guys but um, you know for me it's 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 about throwing strikes it's about competing it's about handling the running game 
I don't think any of that changes because, you know, the great pitching staffs at any level, that's what they do. So it's not like, oh, man, we're going to change everything we do. And um, we, ju- we just want to be a part of it and, and help our position players and, and, and our team, you know, have a chance to make it to a regional and beyond. I'm talking with John Wente, uh, pitching coach, assistant coach at GCU. And, you know, um, Coach, you mentioned um, in a couple of interviews and even earlier that you were attracted to Coach Stankiewicz's philosophy. I mean, I, I think Coach Stankiewicz is probably one of the best baseball coaches in the country right now. What was it about his philosophy that, that really struck a chord with you? I mean, just you could tell, like, you know, when you talk to somebody, sometimes you could just tell, you know, the, their <laughs> sincerity, their belief. And, and, I mean, that was the first thing. I, I mean – Obviously, being from Arizona, coaching in Arizona, I've known Andy um, for a long time. He's taken a lot of our players back in the day. And, and so I've known Andy for a long time. And I knew the type of person he was. But to truly just, I mean, we broke down baseball for, for hours. And, and I tell people, like, it felt like it was 20-minute conversation. And then you look at the clock and it's like, man, we were just talking for three hours. You want to get off? And he's like, no, and I don't want to get off either. So it's just <laughs> the baseball stuff. It, it, it just felt right. You know, like I said, his vision of wanting to turn Grand Canyon into a powerhouse and his belief that we, we're not going to back down to anyone in the state or anyone in the Pac-12. I mean, that's just something you want to be a part of. You know, and you're coming from a program, UT Arlington, that maybe a lot of people might not know by name, but doing similar things. I mean, you guys were off to a 12-4 and start before they shut you down and had wins over top 25 teams like DBU and TCU, something that that Andy is doing on on an annual basis as well. So nice fit there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think people don't understand the the schedule, and that was a very attractive piece to coming to Grand Canyon is, you know, we're, we're not afraid to play anyone. And that's that's the mentality that uh, UTA had, and you know we we did have some big wins, um, and we were having a great year pitching well. And and the Sun Belt is a very underrated league. I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, you know it's got some great teams: Coastal Carolina, South Alabama, and it's got some great coaches. It's a heck of a league. Your family excited to be back in Arizona. I know Texas has a little bit of a lure, and you were there for for a while. But the <laughs> family excited to get back. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, my, my son, um, part of the reason, you know, part of coaching sometimes is you make a lot of decisions that go against your family. Uh, and for us to move to Texas was was a family decision. Uh, my wife's a coach and my son was going to high school and, and to get him to a place where it was going to be a, a great opportunity for him to have an education and, and uh, play some baseball was great. But he's he's on board. He's super excited. My wife, you know, she's She's made a, a lot of sacrifices. She's given up her kind of coaching career to, to, to let us chase my coaching career to go home. My family lives in Arizona. Her, all her family lives in Arizona. It's just, it's a, it just seems like all the pieces are falling in, in place for us. You know, Coach, the only bad thing about talking baseball with you guys, I could talk, you know, all day about it, is it makes me miss it. I know they started pro ball the other day, but – can we can we just start? Can we just get everybody together and go out and roll the ball out and get going? Uh, it'd be great, man. I can't can't wait. I say, you know, you take away, um, you know, baseball, and it's been you know since March since none of us have been a part of it, and just you know the 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 interaction with the with the with the guys is is just it's it's awesome, man, and and we miss it, and and I I think you know there's been some good things about the time off. You know, you get to spend a little more time with your family that you never get to do. Um, but at the same time, man, it's, it's, that's why we do it is to be around those guys and, and can't wait to get back with them. 
Well, Coach, we can't wait to see you out there on the field. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, welcome to GCU. Super excited to have you. Thank you. Super excited to get to work and, and uh, go Lopes, man. The Call of the Week, presented by Copper State Credit Union, committed to you. Turning the clock back to 2019, the GCU softball team hosted a mid-March tournament featuring Ohio State and Weber State. After sweeping the first day, the Lopes went to extra innings with the Buckeyes on day two. Ohio State gets out of the jam and will head to extras. We'll move to the top of the eighth inning. The score, three to three. With a runner placed on second for extra innings, GCU used a double play to get out of the top of the eighth unscathed. Smith over to second, over to first. Double play! Lopes will look to finish it off in the bottom of the eighth. GCU wasted no time in the home half with a walk and a single loading the bases with nobody out. The 1-0. Bishop! It'll fall and the Lopes win! She did it in game one. She does it here in game two. Lopes walk it off in the bottom of the eighth to win 4-3 and remain perfect in the GCU Invitational. That was the call of the week presented by Copper State Credit Union. Committed to you. Ed Schilling is the third men's basketball assistant coach to join the Lopes Insider podcast. He joins Coach Drew's staff after recent stops at Indiana and UCLA and overall has 15 years on a D1 bench, including six as a head coach. Coach Schilling also has NBA experience and played his college hoops at Miami, Ohio. Barry caught up with Ed on the Lopes Insider Podcast. Welcome back to the Lopes Insider Podcast. Barry Butel alongside men's basketball assistant coach Ed Schilling. And uh, coach, so glad to have you join us here in the Lopes Insider Podcast. And uh, it must be nice now that practice is underway and back on the hardwood. Sure is. It's been a, a long time, it seems, since I've been able to get out and, and coach and sweat with the guys. And so it was, uh, it was it's been a lot of fun and uh, been been really excited to, to work with them and very pleased with their coachability and things like that. So it's been uh, been really fun. Coachability, some of your other early impressions of, of the guys, the new faces and some of those returners, what, what are your early thoughts? Well, they've been great. They've been very, very receptive and uh so we, we've enjoyed it and getting a chance to work with some guards this one, uh, this week working, uh, was, you know, been working with the guards and some of the bigs. So it's, it's been a lot, uh, been a lot of fun. And, and as much as anything, it's been great to get to know them. It's one thing to see them on tape a little bit, but it's another thing when you can hands on and put them through different things, it gives you a whole different level of evaluation. And, you know, sometimes you see, see them do things as you're working with them that you didn't know that they could do. And, uh, so that's been great. And, and as much as anything, trying to build the relationship, uh, you know, that's probably been the hardest thing since uh, joining the, the staff here is not being able to meet with the guys face to face. And there's only so much you can do on a Zoom call or a telephone call. But when you can get out and get face to face and you can uh, have some uh, dialogue back and forth and even joke a little bit, it makes all the difference. You mentioned the level of evaluation. How difficult is that and, and how difficult has it been just knowing that we're under unique circumstances with the pandemic and how that's impacted you know, practices and interaction and evaluation? Well, probably the hardest thing for me is trying to coach with a, 
with a mask and a shield on. I, I feel like, uh, my goodness, that, that, that's been the biggest adjustment. Um, surprise my voice is as good as it, uh, as clear as it is today. Cause last night I was like speaking like, uh, ah. so, uh, <laughs> you know, but having to yell through a mask and yell through a shield at the same time, just all these precautions have made it, uh, made it challenging to, to even coach on the floor. But uh, beyond that, uh, like I mentioned, uh, not being able to build the relationship the way we'd like to, uh, you know, the rules without a relationship leads to rebellion, uh, that old saying. And so we want to make sure we build the relationship before you, uh, you know, as you start to implement different things and uh, different levels of your program. And so it's been good to finally be able to get out and start building that relationship. Some of the uh, new players that that have joined uh, the the Alessandro Lavers. Great to see Oscar Ferrer back, and Gabe McLaughlin is back from injury, and he's going to add some size down low as well. Uh, it seems like a really good mix. It seems uh, I was out there one day last week. It just seems like the camaraderie between the guys and those newcomers. Uh, they're already starting to gel. Well, it seems that way. Uh, you never know till you start to hit some adversity, and uh, at least uh, as they go through adversity against somebody else. And but they've had to go through unique adversity, and and some of that just being quarantined for so long, where they can't be around anybody else, uh, has I think maybe built some of the camaraderie that you're mentioning, and maybe that you've noticed. Um, but it, it it's difficult. It, it's tougher. Uh, it's tough for an old man like me to be quarantined up and having to work from home. I can only imagine as a 18, 19, 20 year old must, uh, you know, been very, very challenging. And then, but being able to go through it with some fellow teammates, at, the, at least you could communicate with them. And I think that that maybe helped forge a, a greater relationship and a, maybe a quicker uh reception of new of the new guys we talk about some of the uh, the players and their adjustment how about how about getting back uh to to business and and on the court with with bryce and and with casey and jamal the, the four of you primarily uh, uh all all getting together on this staff well it's been great i mean i I've been very blessed to be on a lot of uh, different staffs uh, from east to west, uh, you know, whether it be with uh, uh, Coach Calipari when I was assistant with the new, with the Nets and the NBA and uh, to all the way west coast with Steve Alford and, and that staff at UCLA and, and points in between. So, and also being a head coach too, uh, you know, that the staff that I was able to, to work with. But this is really, really as unique a staff as I've been with. And, and I think a lot of it just stems from, you know, we're, we're, we're all Christians and we also, we're all coming from the, from the same spot that, you know, no matter what, there's a lot of stuff going on, but we know that we're all on the same, standing on that same rock. And, and that makes a big difference. And, you know, that's uh, it's just such a, something really special. When we start a staff call or a staff meeting, we start with prayer. And, you know, it just, to me, that, that makes it, uh, as unique and as special as any place I've ever been. Well, you need, you need a strong foundation and you personally came from, from a very strong foundation. This pandemic and COVID-19 has impacted you and your family personally, uh, with the loss of your father, uh, recently. Can you kind of talk through that and what an influence and what a great foundation he was for you. Well, thank you. I, I uh, you know, looking through a lot of the old artifacts as we put together a celebration of life. And I know my dad was a, 
uh, Hall of Fame basketball player at Butler University in Indianapolis. And, you know, I, I when I was uh, I was born his senior year playing and uh, my picture was on the front page of the paper uh, in, in a crib with a with a basketball. So, you know, he, he kind of got me started right uh, as a basket, you know, being around basketball. And then he was uh, a college basketball coach, very 25 years old or 26 years old. He was a head NAIA uh, coach. And uh, so I kind of grew up going to practices and going recruiting with my dad and things like that, much like uh, Bryce did with his father, Homer. And so it, it was uh, just just so much fun to be able to be around him and to be around his teams and working with players. And uh, so that that was really special. But more than anything, he uh, he just insisted that you, you treat people the way you want to be treated. And if there's uh, the, hopefully I'll be able to take that legacy and to, uh, to, to treat others well. And, and that's what he did. We were fortunate to have a celebration of life this July 18th. And um, just to see uh, hundreds of people come through and just the impact that he made as an educator. He was a, a college professor. He was a athletic director at a high school. He, a lot of different, he was a head coach at different levels, but, uh, more than anything, he made an impact on lives and, and hopefully that's the legacy that, uh, he passed on to me that I'll be able to carry well. It was interesting to, to read some articles in advance of our conversation today and, uh, reading about, you know, how he himself was obviously a, a coach and, but a coach made an influence on him, right? Coach Hinkle, I believe, uh, yes. and, and how just uh, your father had that presence too. And, and hearing the comments from some of his teammates of, about himself, you know, saying he, he would always put his hand out and say, feed the hand, you know, and, and the dominance <laughs> that he had on the court and, and the confidence that he had that was instilled through the great game of basketball. Uh, it was, it was tremendous reading about him, but the, the, the game of basketball and those around the game of basketball played a huge, huge part about, uh, about the type of man he was, no doubt. Well, definitely. And getting to play for Tony Hinkle, he, he actually came out of high school and, uh, played at 10 at Cincinnati his freshman year. And they were runner up, they won the national championship and then they were runner up. And that was before freshmen were eligible. And so he was a starter on the number one freshman class in the country and they were undefeated and, uh, then due to an injury, he transferred to Butler and, and really what, uh, he gleaned from, from coach Hinkle was just, uh, that th- it didn't really matter how great you were on the court. You were going to be treated the same, uh, whether you're the manager, whether you're someone playing, uh, you're a, a cross country runner or a, a regular student, it didn't matter. You were going to, you know, you, you had to make your own way. Uh, you know, my dad, I think got there the first year and he's like, okay, I'm here. He goes, okay. You're, I think your dorm's over that way. And uh, he had to pick up his own bags and go, which was a little bit different than uh, being at Cincinnati, but it taught him the life skills that he needed. And And he said it many times, uh, playing for Coach Hinkle and being at Butler uh, actually you know, changed his whole lot in life. He came from, uh, his dad worked in the factory in inner city Cleveland his whole life. and uh, But it was due to basketball that he uh, you know, he transferred to Butler and graduated there and, and just became an, an educator for the rest of his life. And, uh, due to a lot of the things, the, the life lessons that he learned from coach Hinkle and that he learned from, uh, playing basketball. Well, that's, I think the reason why, you know, so many people want sports to return and, and the impact it can have, uh, and, and throughout society. And, and hopefully we'll do that real, real soon. And, and hopefully we can say goodbye to this pandemic. 
Again, our thoughts go out to you and your family. And coach, I can't thank you enough for for these moments that we we spent together quickly. The the time goes by quickly. Hmm. And I can't wait to see you on the, on the practice floor and at GCU Arena real soon. Well, thank you so much, Barry. Barry, it's uh, my pleasure, my honor to to be here at at GCU, and uh, uh, just uh, pray that we can make a big difference in the lives and have great success on the court. Some real insight from a couple of coaches who figure to have tremendous impacts on their respective programs in the coming weeks and months ahead. Time to return to our trivia question. The GCU women's volleyball team completed one of the nation's biggest turnarounds last season. How many more games did the Lopes win in 2019 than they did in 2018? The answer, 13. GCU went 24-6 and last season. Wow. Played second in the WAC and advanced to the WAC championship. What a year, Paul. What a year is right. They proved preseason seventh place predictions wrong. That win improvement actually ranked fifth nationally. The Lopes ranked behind only Milwaukee, which had an 18-game improvement, by Mm -hmm. the way, along with Santa Clara, Central Michigan, and Robert Morris. The Lopes were top 20 in the nation for regular season wins. It was a great, great year. Looking forward to another great year, hopefully. Hopefully things will settle down and they can get back in front of the Havocs at GC Arena real soon. Well, that'll nearly put an end to this episode. But before we say goodbye, what is in the works on GCLopes.com? First off, if you were interested in hearing us talk about the basketball practices ramping up earlier in the episode, we have stories photos and video of both the men's and women's first practices up on gclopes.com. And we've been promoting this for a while, but we've officially launched our Meet the Newcomers series on the women's basketball side. We'll help you get to know a little bit more about Nideja Nana Jackson. Everybody calls her Nana, so you don't have to worry about how to pronounce the first name. She joins the Lopes as a graduate transfer uh, from Youngstown State, and she brings a lot of spunk and backcourt ability and and no no question about why that would uh, appeal to their head coach, who was the same type of guard when Molly Miller played. No doubt. It's been a lot of fun to get to know all the new basketball players on both the men's and women's side this summer, and we'll keep an eye on GCLopes.com for all the latest news regarding GCU athletics. But, Paul, that'll do it for episode number 12. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening to the Lopes Insider Podcast, presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform and at gclopes.com slash podcast. Lopes up. 